0: Greetings, this is Scott L. from Ghostly Talk, and I'm all here by myself right now in the studio. Amber's at work right now, so I had to cut this by myself. I wanted to say a few words about the podcast you're going to be hearing here pretty soon. First off, though, Amber and I wanted to say thank you, thank you, thank you so much again for those of you who are taking the time to listen to our little show. It means so much to us. You have no idea. So thank you. We appreciate it. However, you listen to the show, whether it's iTunes or Stitcher or wherever else it is, that's Amber's department. But thank you. However, you listen to the show, it means a million, million things to us, whatever those things are. So thank you. Also, wanted to mention that Ghostly Talk will be at the Motor City Comic Con uh from May 17th to May 19th uh we'll be there the whole weekend. This is the 30th annual Motor City Comic Con. We're going to have a table there with our dear friends and the other show that I'm a part of called Real Crime. Uh so we're going to have a joint table there. We're going to be doing interviews, we're going we're going to be hanging out. Uh so if you're there, you got a ticket already, get if you don't have one, get one, damn it. Uh If you're there, you see our table, come on by. We'd love to talk to you. We'd love to meet you. Please, it'd be totally awesome. So we're looking forward to meeting you guys there at the Motor City Comic Con, the 30th annual Motor City Comic Con. So anyway, the show you're about to hear was a swap cast with our dear friends from the American Hauntings podcast, which is Cody Beck and Troy Taylor. Troy, I'm sorry, Cody reached out to us. A couple weeks ago and said hey would you guys like to do another one of those swap casts like we did last year at the haunted america conference and of course amber and i were like we'd love to that'd be totally great so what you're going to hear is a swap cast we did with cody beck from the american hauntings podcast hope you enjoy
1: In Michigan, goes the coffee say it
0: is again. Buckle up, get your head up spin again. Talk-
1: Welcome to the American Hauntings Podcast, where we discuss history, hauntings, legends, lore, and the dark side of American history. I'm your co-host, Cody Beck, and today we are bringing you a special bonus episode in a series which we call The Countdown to Haunted America. In this special series, we will be interviewing speakers and vendors from the upcoming Haunted America Conference, which will take place on June 21st and 22nd in Alton, Illinois. Today, I'm joined by Scott and Amber, two of the co-hosts of the podcast, Ghostly Talk. Scott,
0: Amber, thanks for joining me. Thanks, thank, Cody. Yeah, thank you, Cody. Thanks for having us here. Yeah, how's it been going? We haven't I, we haven't caught up since the last conference. Yeah, well, I know we've kept in some contact, which I'm very happy we did. Uh, but yeah, it's been kind of you know here here. Let's hey, what's up? Hey, how what's going on? Or the face, the, you know, the obligatory Facebook post or whatever it may be. Right. Um, now a lot's been going on. I mean, as far as uh, a technical standpoint, uh, we more or less rebuilt our studio, complete from the ground up this year. Uh, And we've been kind of running on that new, all the new equipment here for the last few months, still working the bugs out. Uh, So that's a big thing for us because literally when we came back a few years ago, we were working on the same stuff that we were working on when we stopped doing the show like eight years before that. And that Mm -hmm. stuff was already like eight years old. So just do the math, right? (laughs) Right. So so, uh, we were in dire need of a facelift from a technical standpoint and... At this point, I'm really, really happy we did that because, um, you know, quality-wise, uh, just from me having to shoulder, you know, the production, the engineering, uh, pre and post, it makes things a lot easier. So that's a big thing, and it's making us be able to focus more on the creative side, the fun stuff that's that has to do with the show as opposed to just trying to solve problems all the time, you know what I mean?
1: Yeah, well, hey, well, take t- uh, take me into the weeds because this is you know I don't I don't care if people don't like this nerdy stuff. What kind of upgrades did you do? Talk to me about equipment and kind of where your head is with all that.
0: Well, when I decided it was time to do that, I did a lot of research actually, and there's some really I wanted to get a new board. Now I know I, I think I'm a bit more. We've had this conversation, Cody, mm-hmm. and. I was actually kind of blown away because the way people do podcasts nowadays, I think the vast majority of people that do podcasts nowadays, it's much more automated. Uh, a lot of this stuff is just driven in the cloud and whatnot where, and I'm not saying either way is better than one another. I mean, it's just a different way to do it. Uh, and I know the conversation we had almost a year ago about this, I was like, wow, like GarageBand does all this stuff. That's that's crazy, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, So, coming back at this, I mean, I just like to have a board in front of me. I like to have control of everything because I'm a total, like, weirdo control freak like that. So, what the challenge was was to, you know, find a board that was going to have room to grow along with, you know, being specialized to work with podcasting and recording, mainly just voices and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Uh, So, I did my research and I actually, what we're using now is a Zoom live track L12, Uh, and this is the smaller version they actually have an l20 uh this is a 12 track board that has automation uh it's very it's simple it's an intuitive board but you you know you need to actually sit down with the thing and spend some time with it like i did and meditate on it but it's a very intuitive board it's a zoom uh live track l12 and this thing was rated across the board like one of the best things out there not just for uh you know podcasting and talk radio type stuff but for even like you're recording bands and stuff like that Uh, and it's very compact very simple but it's very you know it's very powerful and a lot of with a lot of the features it can use Uh, and then we decided to actually get real mics ghostly talk we never used like the condenser mic is something i think it's because the prices have gone down because like 15 years ago a conde- any condenser mic you wanted to get would cost you no less than than $1000. Damn. Yeah, they were very expensive. And like like most things over time prices come down and it's a little bit more affordable now to get really good condenser mics to record with. So I was able to outfit our studio now with, you know, five audio techniques i think these are um we're looking at them right now i have to ah, there's a stupid windshield screen these are audio techniques mics i did a lot of research on the mics themselves and these are really high quality uh you know at a price you can afford also uh along with that the main part that i that i decided well another thing we we got all new headphones too headphones are, are some people don't think headphones are very important uh they they really are and i actually uh and part of my research for this thing, I actually went to Joe Rogan's website for the Joe Rogan podcast. Okay. Uh, yeah. And I actually, he actually, on his site, he has his entire rig, how all of his equipment, everything down to the software that he uses uh, to record his podcast with. And he uses these type of headphones. Let me take this thing off here. These are, uh, what the heck are these things? I forgot. Oh, of course. Well, these are HD280 Pros. Mm-hmm uh and there's a they're they're german headphones i forgot the name now of course uh the box is in the closet i'll have to go over there i'm not gonna mess with that right now they're really good headphones again at a price you can afford right right uh you know and i mean what i can do if you want is i'll be happy to send you a list of everything detailed if you want uh if you want to look at stuff down the road yourself cody Uh, yeah for sure finally i wanted to settle on software uh and one thing ghostly talk always did Like a lot, I think a lot of podcasts are like this. Uh, We recorded for all the years we did originally in the last couple of years up until the last couple of months, we actually were recording our podcast, our show down to one solitary channel. It was just one channel we would record, right? And that's just, it was just recording what the mics picked up into the software program, which before, um, (coughs) excuse me, what we used to use was uh, Adobe Audition. Uh, mm-hmm. 1.5 and anybody out there who knows adobe products they're gonna be like oh my god you still use that i mean we were still running windows xp on the old rig it just right. worked and we just kept using it and it still runs actually the old server that i was i was driving the show with up until a couple months ago still works uh but so the most important part when i decided to you know move to a whole new system was what type of you know digital audio workstation, DAW, DAW, I wanted to, you know, work in to the to the to the show. And mainly is I wanted to be able to multi-track things and have more control over all of the aspects and everything that was being recorded uh, for the show. So I did a bunch of research on that and there's a handful I have experience with already and one of them was Studio One, uh Presonus Studio One. Uh, which is another one of those very powerful program, tons of features, tons of add-ons too if you need them at a price you can afford. Um, Pro Tools is like, you know, the de facto type thing that people like to use, but it's a bit mm-hmm. pricey. pre Pre-sonus, you can buy the whole package, you know, for what I need for Ghostly Talk, I bought everything I need indefinitely with patches for $100, $100 flat out, not $100 a year, not a subscription like a lot of software companies do to you now. You just buy the software and it's yours with your with your key. So you know, even though I had experience with, with uh, Studio One, I still had a learning curve with that, which I'm still learning new things all the time, but it's very effective. It works great. There's tons of features Uh, You know, so all this stuff that I've listed down, this is more, as I was alluding to before, more the manual type of way to record a podcast. It's probably a bit overkill, to be honest with you. Uh, I know there's simpler ways to do it, but it's the way that I like to do things. And I'm also a gadget dork, too. So I like to work on these things. As much as I grit my teeth and scream at stuff down here, I do enjoy, you know, working with the gadgets and, you know, running cables and doing all that fun stuff. So that's kind of where we're at right now is kind of, you know, like this newer version of the show, uh, I think it it's making the, a way better, like a way higher quality show now for people to listen to.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, you, we did talk last time, um, about how you do a lot of things very manually. And I think it's great that, you know, I can do, I can have a lot of stuff automated and it's great that it's kind of lowered the like barrier to entry for people that want to do podcasts. However, like you asked me yesterday, you know, like, what do you uh, convert down to or whatever, you know, the kilobytes per second. And I had to think about it because I was like, I, it just does it automatically. It I don't even know. It.
0: Yeah, It just deals with it. You don't have to think about stuff like that anymore. Yeah, I understand.
1: Right, and so that I think that's kind of a double-edged sword because it makes it so it's like, okay, you're 70% of the way there and you can go with it. But it, someone like you that really, really knows this stuff, I think you can take it and get that last 25% that really makes all the difference because your show sounds great. Oh, thank like you. It, it's, it's awesome.
0: Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Uh, it's been a big concern of mine. Uh, it's always been the sound, and I'm always trying new things to try to, you know, just get that nice sheen on the sound. There are shows I hear... They, they, they just have a sheen to them, I think, like people talking. It's got, and I don't know any other way to really say it, and it probably do not help people either. Yeah, it's a sheen. <laughs> it, just, it just has a, a great. Charlie Sheen. It, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it just sounds alive. Like if you know, doing radio or like here in Detroit, like all the Detroit radio I used to listen to when I was younger, they have this great, you know, just sheen sound that. It sounded alive. It sounded very bright and alive yep. to me. And it's very easy, uh, I think, if I listen to certain shows now where the mics sound very dead, right? They don't, yeah. they don't have any action to them. So, and that's, I'm still trying to figure that stuff out myself. Uh, you know, without all the, without the, you know, without the money or the equipment that a lot of those big studios had, I think you can do it. As there are a lot of shows I listen to that are on the same budget that I'm on. Uh, that sound phenomenal. They sound fantastic. So that's something, you know, that's a big thing to me now is I'm really concerned about the quality uh, of how we sound. Uh, at the same time, you know, not not worrying too much about it. You know, you got to have fun with this thing too. And I don't want to burn myself out again like I did years ago. So I'm not really taking it too seriously, you know.
1: For sure. And, and I, you know, I, I understand that and I respect that. And, you know, Troy and I record in so many different places. Uh, sometimes it's at his place, or an office, or a hotel room, or you know the vault at Mineral Springs last time. And I, every time I you know jump on jump on the audio and start putting together the podcast, I can tell like. I, people complain about the sound a lot, which is definitely, you know, valid. But people, I, I can tell that something's off with it, right? Yeah. And, and I'm trying to, okay, I think that it needs more low. I think it needs more mid, high, something. And I'll use a lot of presets a lot of time. And if I find one that I think makes it sound better, I'll go in and be like, okay, what is this preset doing? And, you know, because that, you know, if I think it sounds better, I can say, okay, well, this preset's bringing up the highs a lot more. So that's, you know, what I'm hearing. And that's kind of the issue. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's a tough, it's a tough process and it's 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 just hard uh, because it's very trial and error you know i can watch youtube videos and everything but i don't i think most i don't and i think most people don't have a fundamental understanding of like the science behind it you know to tell you you know how how, why it sounds the way it sounds and what's off and i think there you could probably scientifically prove that like sheen that you're talking about but i know exactly what you mean when it just sounds crisp and like you're right there and i oh i would love that that would be just amazing
0: well, the trick to that, too, if you say you're moving around a lot, that makes things 10 times as hard on you because you're changing your environment all the time, right? Right. So yep. you're you're constantly readjusting and trying to compensate for things you may lose by moving to a new environment where, I mean, that's a big thing. And Amber knows that, too. Like, I'm very hard on the, when we, like, we moved just, like, kind of how we got into this conversation. Um, I bought all, you know, I got all this new equipment a few months ago and built that whole new thing up. And that was in one area of the basement of the house we live in, right? And circumstances allowed me to move into a more secluded area now in, in the basement, which is like, a, when I say that, it's an isolated room. So mm-hmm. I was able to do, literally, that's what it was my project was this weekend, was to move everything into an, this isolated room that I have um, to further control the environment and make the show consistent every time we do it, right? And that's, right. That, that's the trick, too, at least to me, is just doing a consistent thing every week that sounds great and it's a challenge. I don't and the thing with audio recording whether you're just doing voices or you're doing instruments whatever they may be there's you're going to hear 10 different things from 10 different guys if you ask them for an opinion on something, right? Um yeah. audio and sound while it's uh it's a concrete science, it's a mysterious force of nature I think that it's difficult to harness it and really get control of it. So, I mean That really is, like I said before, 10 different people, 10 different answers to a question you have. So, you know, it's a matter, I think, of knowing your environment, trying to control that and document, document, document. A lot of people will set a board, they'll tweak on their board and get it all right. And then they do something else and they change everything and they don't they don't have what they did before, right? Especially with older boards. Um, But take a picture with your phone. I don't care. That's what I used to do in the old days with our old boards we had that didn't have any automation on them. I would just take a picture of the board and keep it somewhere. Uh, So when I needed to refer back to the settings for all the channels, I was able to do that, right? Now, with the, the, the new board that I have, the L12 I was talking about, it actually has an automation system, a digital automation system that... I can call up sessions for everything I'm doing if I'm doing Mm. something besides ghostly talk, for example. So it's, again, it's just a matter of getting your environment mastered and knowing what to do. And that's a really tough thing to do is know what the heck you're doing. It's tough to do, especially if you don't, you know, if you don't have a degree in this stuff, you're just kind of doing it as a hobbyist, right? Like we're, we're, we're both amateurs, Cody, you know, so... I mean I consider myself an amateur even to this day at best. I don't know what I'm doing half the time. I'm I'm learning as I go along.
1: Oh man, well that does not give me high hopes for my future, but I I appreciate it. it's good to know that you uh feel you're in the same boat. Um I okay, I I don't want to nerd out for too much longer, but I I I just I want to move on a little bit. But uh, yeah. Amber, Amber, how are you doing? What's been what's been going on with you? <laughs> I'm good, Cody. <laughs> I know we, Scott and I could talk about this all day, and I don't want to. I don't want to do that. So what's what's been going on with you? How's
0: dealing with Scott been?
2: <laughs> oh, I don't know if we should go into that.
0: Oh yeah, way to go! Thanks, Cody.
1: <laughs> so sorry, man. I, I was trying to just toss her a softball,
2: but yeah, no, no, yeah, no. Scott's his usual high strung self. Um, I'm working on that though. Yeah,
0: there's there's changes coming down the horizon for my attitude and my and my overall health. So. You, just, you well, just stick around. Everything will be fine, <laughs> Amber. Don't worry.
1: <laughs> well, that's good. Uh, so I've been starting off these uh, these bonus episodes uh, interviewing different people that are going to be at the conference. Sometimes they're uh, people that are going to be presenting. Sometimes they're vendors, just other people. And my first question to them is, has pretty much just been, how did you get involved in all this, quote unquote, weird stuff? You know, like, I mean, we obviously have a little community here um, about, you know, ghosts and paranormal and the macabre and that sort of thing. But to a lot of outsiders, it's just, you know, you're the weird kid. That's the weird thing that you're into and all that. How did you, both of you, like get involved and have this kind of fascination and end up where you are with this stuff that's kind of taboo?
0: Amber, it's all you.
2: I was just born interested. I wasn't one of those yeah. people that can say, oh, I lived in a haunted house or, you know, my my grandma was a witch and did all this stuff. Blah, blah, blah. It just seriously was born interested. I, I was the kid that was running to the library and going straight to Dewey Decimal 133 or the uh, folktale section and grabbing any book I could and reading it, hoarding it, and watching Unsolved Mysteries back in the 80s. Yeah. Uh, in the 90s, my show was Are You Afraid of the Dark? Mm-hmm. And uh, and I just loved it ever since. Um, I I really – I came more into ghosts later. I was not a big fan of too many ghost stories when I was younger. I was more into like I don't know, mystical, magical stuff like fairies and unicorns and all that stuff. Yeah. And then in like the early O's when the ghost hunting thing like became popular, I, I just got way more interested in ghost stuff and now I'm big into UFO stuff, which I in the past I never cared for. I thought it was just boring and kind of dorky. And I'm finding that more fascinating than, than ghost stuff. But that just lifelong interest, Scott.
0: Uh, it, a lot like Amber, I used to read a lot of ghost stories at the library. Uh, Dewey Decimal Number 133. 133. 133.
2: Yeah,
0: what's, what's 133? Supernatural. Uh, okay. <laughs> Paranormal. <laughs> so, yeah, a lot like her, I spent a lot of time very interested in, and for me, it was ghost stories. I, I thought ghost stories were really cool, like in elementary school and stuff like that. And then I came across a book and this is well documented now. I come across a book uh, at a garage sale when I was very young. I was just at a garage sale, and I found this book called "Haunted Houses" by a guy named Larry Kettlecamp. And it's only about a ninety-page book, you know, larger, larger print. Not a lot of stuff, but this book, for some reason, it fascinated me because it, it. Some of the pictures in there were some of the most famous, you know, examples of spirit photography, you know, in all of our history. For example, the Brown Lady. Which is a you know historic photo now, uh, and it was, it, but it put the hook in me at that point in my life. It, you know, not only scared me because I was very young, but I was really intrigued and really interested uh, by that. And I spent a number of years just reading ghost stories, but not really thinking. Well, like that book, Le- uh, "Haunted Houses" by Larry Kettlecamp. I mentioned that's a great book for people. You know, if you just want an easy read, I still recommend this book to people to this day because it has some really great, you know, classic ghost stories that were documented. And it also does go into some, you know, ideas, some fringe ideas about why ghosts may exist. So it does touch upon a little bit of the the science stuff that's involved with this field. So, and, and, you know, Larry Kettlecamp was not some world-renowned, you know, parapsychologist or something like that. He, he wrote books on cooking also. It was just something I think he was interested in at the time and he wrote a book about it. So I spent a couple years or many years reading stories. And then I know life got in the way. I was figuring out my carving out my path in life, what I was going to do with myself growing up. And that stuff got put to the wayside while I focused on education and stuff. And I remember vividly when I graduated from college, I was like, I need something to do now. I I don't have all this extra stuff on my plate to deal with. So I should find another hobby. And it just so happened that a coworker of mine right at that time sent me this email. It was like a zip file with a bunch of really interesting, you know, ghost photos, spirit photography photos. Uh, And I was like, wow, it was like lighting a spark for me. It just kind of relit that thing. And I'm like, that's what I've been looking for. And that was like 1998, 1999, uh, when I was starting to finish up my education and stuff like that. Uh, mainly in 2001 is when I really kind of got involved and started meeting with people where I eventually met Doug, who's, you know, who, and I, who, who with myself, actually it was myself and Doug. Doug was the guy who started Ghostly Talk. It was his name, and he was the guy that had this idea, like let's talk about, like do a weekly internet radio show And talk about, you know, our adventures, you know, out here going ghost hunting and studying stuff in the field. So it's been, I haven't really looked back since, except for some times where you need to step away and take a break like we did for a few years from doing ghostly talk, for example. We need, I know I needed a break. I was burned out and I needed to step away from it for a little while, but I've always been interested. I've always read stories. I've always had discussions. So I've always been active in one way or another in this field.
1: Nice. Uh, so you mentioned in that book um, y- how, you know, he kind of gives some theories about why ghosts may exist and all that sort of thing. Do either of you have any strong uh, opinions or or thoughts on, you know, what happens after you die and why ghosts might exist, that sort of thing?
2: Oh, it's gotten more confusing and complex. I think when I first got into this, you read that ghosts are... Just our spirits are, you know, we die and then we turn into this ghost and we hang out for a bit and maybe someone has unfinished business and so they stick around um, or they did something wrong and they're scared to go to the other side. So they lurk. But if you keep researching and studying and you start looking into these things that, you know, we just had a guy on the show. Was it Brandon Masulo?
0: Yeah. Brandon Masulo
2: was talking, Fantastic. which he's going to be. He's going to be. Yeah, uh, yeah, He's going to be at the Haunted America conference. Oh, great. And yes. he was talking about how... This concept of are we haunting ourselves more than we think? That um, our emotions play a large part in paranormal experiences, and and if we perceive them or not. And I just the whole that kind of aspect, uh, what our consciousness is capable of, how we receive things, um, different dimensions. All it it just it almost becomes painful, <laughs> like with how many ideas are out there that are beyond just our cliche folkloric uh, idea of ghosts are just the spirits of the dead. Um, So I I can't even say I have one solid theory because there's too many and I'm, I'm still trying to piece them together. And every time I learn something new, it just add, I just add it to the pile of possibilities.
0: Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
1: Scott, do you have any thoughts? Oh yeah. Uh,
0: Well, the biggest challenge I've always said to doing a podcast or a, you know, a paranormal radio show, whatever you want to call it nowadays I think the biggest challenge I've always had has been the fact that, you know, Doug and I would say this all the time in the early days like, we're, we're, a, we're a jack of all trades, master of none. And we always admired people who were able to spend, uh, you know, a couple of years or whatever it may be somewhere doing research, whether it's on, you know, a building or whatever it may be. They're able to focus on something where when you're doing a show, even once or twice a week, uh, it's hard to focus on one thing and stay focused on that however when you are exposed to all these ideas you you learn a lot and gain a lot of cool ideas and we've talked to some really really interesting people here since we got the show going a couple years ago again and in response to what you're talking about one thing that I I personally and I've had I have had a handful of conversations about this very thing like what are you know, what are ghosts, let's say, like, what, what do you think they are? Like, you know, mechanically in space and time, what are these things? And I really believe that they are, and I shouldn't, I'm referring to them as they, I guess I will for this. They are a force of of nature that we don't understand. Uh, I think that that's what it may be. It may be another sense we don't understand. And it may be, the thing is with this, as you know, Cody, uh, Anybody that says they're an expert in anything, they're out of their mind and they're full of it. There's no yep. way to really know anything here. Even people that have spent a lot of time on one subject, they may have some more insight than you and I, you or I do, but they don't really have any answers, though, like you or my, you or myself either, right? So, like, I think that you know, it, like Amber mentioned too, it could be us interacting with this force, force of nature. Not controlling it, but changing it in some way. I know that's kind of like really bouncing all over the place, but I don't think it's just as simple as, well, there's a different dimension that ghosts are in, and every once in a while you, you see that dimension. I think it's much more complex than that. It's much more vast than that. I mean, I don't think that we'll see any answer to this in our lifetimes. We may never. I mean, it may just be the great cosmic joke that we'll forever question and never really get the answer to until we expire ourselves.
1: Yeah, you know, as I've been doing this podcast um, and doing a lot more research, my opinions have definitely um, evolved, you know, and shifted with new information. And so kind of where I am now is that I think 80%, and these are just rough numbers, but, you know, 80% of hauntings and and things like that I think are – just in our own heads you know you're in an old building and you're scared and you're kind of making things up and trying yeah. to rationalize i would say i think 15 percent is something that's that's legitimate but that one day we will be able to somehow explain or measure or something like that even if it is kind of cosmic and out there and some weird yeah. scientific quantum thing or something and then that last five percent i'm like I don't know. I have no clue because, you know, Troy kind of helped me um, understand that it, it seems to be, in his mind at least, and in my mind now too, that there are some um, hauntings that seem to be like the residual hauntings, you know, where history's kind of repeating itself and it's it's like oh, a, yeah. a record spinning, you know, some something happened and somebody is now, they walk this hallway, you know, all the time and, and they kind of do the same thing over and over again, but it's not necessarily as interactive. But then there's other stuff that's more poltergeist-like, you know, interacts with you and and you can interact with it and that sort of thing. And so I I kind of separate those a little bit. And Amber, what you mentioned earlier about um, you know, people being open to things or uh, – or that's how I interpret it. But people being open to things are certain times in their lives or, or, the you know, you might kind of control a little bit of it. I think that's totally valid because, you know, a lot of the poltergeist activity you hear about is with young people, um, especially women, going through, like, you know, puberty and things like that. and And they've often postulated that maybe that has something to do with it. And I'm trying to think, like, if you were ever going to find someone more – unstable or like hormonal (laughs) and crazy. You know, it's a young person at that time. Yep. Well, yeah. And so I could totally see that.
0: We used to talk about this a lot back in the day. And we all, the one thing we, me and Doug learned was that, yeah, the body, whether it's old or young is, is a biomechanical furnace. And especially when you're young, all these chemical processes are happening to make you grow mentally and physically. And it's taxing. It's stressful yeah. on a child, uh, not only with all the stresses you have of just society, society-wise, uh, of growing up, especially in America now. Uh, but then the physical things you're dealing with too. You don't understand. I, I can, I, I can say it. I mean, I'm old now, but when I was young, there was stuff happening to me that I couldn't really understand. Uh, you know, until I got older and understood what growing up was. So that's stressful, I think, for people now, especially. Uh, so you couple that with. You know, and you mentioned like the poltergeist phenomena where you can interact with it. Well, I think, I think people more trigger it than they do mm. interact with it. Like you trigger something, right? Uh, that, and that's just my idea. I mean, I'm not saying yeah. that Troy or anybody's wrong, but that's just kind of like you're triggering something to happen in, in the environment in space and time. Uh, so, yeah, there's a lot of ways to look at that stuff, too. And there, again, there's not really any answers yet. Uh, we're only speculating and trying to figure out ways to understand this stuff.
1: Right, no, you know, you're totally right, and um, and it, I kind of summed up some of Troy's ideas, but I'm sure he would come in and tell me why I'm totally wrong. So just take <laughs> everything with a with a grain of salt. Oh, no, but, yeah, uh, yeah, totally. Yeah, but no, that it's all very interesting. Have you ha- have either you had any crazy ghost experiences, or was there a moment when, like, you know, I know you both have been, you know, obsessed with this sort of stuff for a while? But is is there was there one moment that made you be like, oh shit, like I cannot explain that, or like something mm-hmm. phenomenal just happens?
0: Go ahead, Amber.
2: I think, I think those lights in Massachusetts. That was trippy. That was really weird.
0: That was weird. We Go ahead. we were
2: here. we were in, oh gosh, it was like Marblehead or Cape Cod. I know it was, well, it was the we Cape right Cod by, area. Yeah, we were
0: in the Cape Cod area. And I'm
2: forgetting the name of the cemetery, but it was Derek.
0: Derek Bartlett.
2: Derek Bartlett, who runs the ghost tours out Capers. there.
0: Capers, was the group. Yeah, he was a part and of. Yep. Uh,
2: anyway, he takes us to this awesome New England cemetery that has the the amazing Puritan stones with the you know the skull with the wings and all that those cool carvings and he told us that they would see sometimes at night these little blue orbs of light flowing through the tombstones and so we set up equipment and we're waiting and watching and we have video going and naturally nothing happens so it was a really clear night i remember there was it was practically a full moon if it wasn't full so the whole cemetery's lit up nice and finally, we just stopped. Everyone wanted to, you know, let's just sit and talk and do whatever. And so we put our equipment away. And I don't know how much time had gone past. Yeah,
0: the key word here is we put, put our equipment put away, equipment too. equipment away. Nice. Right.
2: And then all of a sudden, someone goes, oh, my God, look. And there are these maybe eight, ten, something, like a little collection of these tiny blue or
0: it, like, you know, it, like, it was like, you know, a glowing yeah, blue. Slowly. Like I, was gonna, I would say like a more of an aqua teal color. Yeah, That's what just, I was thinking but, of. That's what my memory is. And just
2: moving slowly through the kind of in the back of the cemetery. And what was super cool was our group was split up into two. So we were on one part of the cemetery, the other the other part of the group's over here. And they come running towards us because they're seeing it from their perspective. So it wasn't something where it was just us, you know, being at our angle that we could see it. They were seeing it as well. And then, so they came running and, oh, my God. And we, so we knew you know wasn't someone else doing it and Derek of course was vindicated he's like yes yes you saw yeah, it. He yes. Was, well
0: yeah, yeah and that's as Amber mentioned that's an interesting point about this well, because yeah we had some verification yeah some cooperation and, and then we so saw many something.
2: people everyone saw it and then that makes you think back to these old tales like Willow the Wisp and these fairy lights that people used to talk about seeing and mm-hmm. just are was this what People were seeing all the time and I I don't know, but that was super cool just because of, yeah, like Scott said, the sheer amount of uh, people that witnessed it. It wasn't just like one person
0: yeah. and you have to believe them. One of the things that happened to me uh, about 12 years ago, some friends of ours got a hold of me and said, hey, we live in this house and it wasn't too far away from where I lived at the time. They're like, we live in this house and we're actually getting ready to move because we can't deal with it anymore. Uh, there's just some really weird stuff going on in this house, and we know this is your sort of thing. We figured we'd ask you about it. If you want, would you want to come by and spend some time and talk to us about Because we're more curious. They were leaving. They didn't want to deal with it anymore, but they were interested in it. They were curious about it, right? So, I said, yeah, I'd be happy to. They were good friends of ours. So, I went over there, and we walked through the house, which was, the majority of it was empty, because they had already moved a lot of the furniture and stuff out, and so we walked around the house. They showed us they showed me some of the areas and told me some stories about what they experienced and what they saw. And we got to the living room area of the house. We we came up from the basement, I remember. And we were just walking along towards the 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 front living room of the house, and something just stopped me in my dead tracks. And I felt like like the equivalent of somebody taking their fingertips And just running them up from my ankle, on my right ankle, all the way up to my upper hip, on the right side of my body. And it literally stopped me in my tracks to the point where I was in mid-sentence and I stopped and said, do you guys feel that? And they're like, no, what are you talking about? And I explained to them and the one lady said, I had that same feeling in the basement. It literally was something that stopped me in my tracks and it felt like somebody was running their fingers up my legs. Now, is there anything to improve about with that? Is there any way to prove anything? Absolutely not. But it's something that uh, after all these years is something that I consider anomalous. I can't explain what the heck happened to me and to the point where it stopped me in my tracks and I just felt something. Didn't feel anything else after that, but it was just one of those little things that I was paying attention to and I think I experienced something that day.
1: Man, that's, that's crazy. So did it feel... Uh, I mean, I know it was spooky, obviously, but did it feel negative or positive, neutral or just getting your attention or what do you think?
0: Uh, I don't, I didn't really feel any type of negative thing. I mean, I'm as sensitive as the coffee cup that I'm drinking out of right now. (laughs) Right, right. Not sensitive at all. I don't think so. I didn't really feel anything like that. I just felt it was something that was foreign. It didn't, Mm. it was a feeling that I had never felt before. I mean, I've felt I've had people run their fingers on me like that and whatnot. We won't get into that part. But uh, I, I <laughs> but I mean, it's something I've I, it's a feeling I'm familiar with. I know what that feels like, but not in that context. You know, if somebody right. was doing that to me, I would obviously look down and say, why are you running your fingers up my ankle? <laughs> you know, what are you doing, weirdo? But obviously there was no one there. It just I didn't feel any negative stuff. I didn't feel anything positive. It just kind of happened
1: right amber did this make you upset do you uh did you kind of want to square up with this with this ghost for running their fingers up I think it
2: must have been before i met you
0: no uh, no it was no we knew (laughs) each other we were we were dating we were we were together we were it was only like 12 years ago we've been together for like 300 years it was our friend remember it was our friends uh sean and angela they had. A, they lived in a oh, house. Oh, you Mount had, Clinton's. Okay,
2: I wasn't with you. Yeah, then. you
0: weren't. No, she wasn't with me. I should have specified that she wasn't with me for this thing. I just kind of went on my own.
2: Yeah. No, I'm not upset. I mean, I guess if some otherworldly force wants to admire Scott's ankles because <laughs> if they're from like olden days, you know, ankles are hot. So right. Maybe Sky has some sexy angst. I don't know. <laughs> angst.
1: My angst.
2: Your angst. <laughs> good angst.
1: Good word. Well spe- okay, sp- speaking of uh, you know, negativity and, and things like that, have you ever have you ever been like to a place or, or walked in somewhere and been like, I should not be here or something does not want us here? Like you ever had like those really bad vibes, you know what I mean?
2: I think there was one time we were investigating it was the Fenton Hotel in Fenton, Michigan, and it was this old three-story building that that back in the day used to be a hotel, and uh, they, they didn't use the upper two floors anymore, and uh, the bottom was now a restaurant, still is right now, and we were walking through, they were doing like some Halloween ghost tours through there, because a lot of the staff had reported stories about, you know, seeing classic stuff, like seeing this guy at the bar, and then he orders a drink and then the bartender turns around and he's gone. A bunch of cool stuff like that, but I was wandering around upstairs down the hallway and I walked into a room uh, no one was in there and it just felt like like a wall had been put in front of me like no. It, it wasn't even negative. It was just the only time I've ever walked and just turned right around and didn't go back in there until till later on. We I think we did like an EVP session in that room cuz everybody was getting weird vibes from there, but um, and I think maybe one time, like I've gotten the creeps from cemeteries and prisons, but those are creepy places. So I, yeah, I, I can't chalk that up to saying it's negative entities trying to kick me out. Like seriously, the where I think it was Mansfield. Some of that stuff when you're walking around there, like uh, the lifer area, uh, death row. Oh,
0: you know, you're talking about solitary confinement. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that
2: is spooky. I, I don't like walking around there. There's no lights, and it's just ugh, your imagination runs away with you anyway. So, but I, I've never encountered anything like super negative that I just wanted to run away screaming from.
0: I think a lot of times the history of a place can have more of an effect on you than yeah. the actual Yeah, like the prisons. If you know, hmm. this has been the subject of experiments in, in in this study also. You can take somebody to a place and say, "Look, there was a double murder homicide mm-hmm. here," uh, and that's gonna. Immediately, it's gonna work them up. It's gonna work them up. It's gonna make their mind go to work, and they're gonna think about all this horrible stuff. So, in like a prison is a perfect example, like Amber said, where you know there was even like the most mellow prisons around. I think there's still some shenanigans that go on that are that uh, you know a person who doesn't go to prison would be used to not not be used to that. I don't know. It, it's it's a creepy place to go to. There's a lot of bad stuff that happens at prisons. It's as simple as that. As far as myself, I've only really had one place that. And I think it was more of an anxiety thing now. Uh, we went to a, a place, we'll just leave it at that. And I remember in this situation, we were looking down a long hallway and I think it may have even just been the light that was messing with my eyes a little bit, but my eye started, I started just seeing like this pulsating stuff. I don't even know, like like a pulsation at the end of this hallway or through this hallway. And it just, it didn't sit well with me. I didn't like it. And I said, guys, I want to go. I want to get out of here. And of course, like, oh, yeah, you're a big wussy, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, I don't want to be here anymore, and I'm leaving. I And I don't think it, I don't, I just didn't want to be there. I don't know if I felt any like, you know, malevolence around me or anything like that. I just didn't like the situation. So I felt like there was something bad was going to happen. It could have been something that. You, know, you fall down some stairs or something like that. You don't know. I just wanted to get out of the environment.
1: So, so you got out of there, though?
0: Oh, hell yeah. And did anything bad happen to the people that uh, stayed around? No, we all left together. They, I convinced them, like, we should really get out of here, guys. So we all just kind of just left.
1: Gotcha. Take your toys, go home. No, I can, re- <laughs> I can respect that. Yeah. Um, you know, there's, I haven't
0: been in, there was one
1: time we were at First Unitarian Church, um, in Alton, and it felt. It, I don't want to. I don't know if it was negative, but that's the, that's the issue. I try to kind of reconcile in my head. is like how much of this is just I'm being scared because I know what happened here, and how much is you know potentially real. And I had to play the caboose, if you will, for one of Troy's uh, oh, tours. Ooh, I would hate that. Yeah, yeah. And so I <laughs> had to go down to the basement by myself, make sure nobody's hiding around, oh. you know, and like you know taking their sweet ass time and. It um, yeah, it was super scary, and I wanted to get out there. But I, you know, I definitely notice if we're in a place like uh, the Mineral Springs Hotel, for instance. You know, if you're in the sub basement in the pool down there, and then you go upstairs a few different floors um, to to Pearl's room, one of the old rooms there. Um, you know, it feels different, and I'm sure some some asshole on Twitter or somebody could tell me like, oh, well, the, it's the atmospheric pressure, and it's the the smells, and it's all you know, they could tell me all these different things as to why. These places feel different, but they just – they feel so – sometimes one place will feel really, really heavy, you know, and another place won't. And and I'm always trying to kind of figure that out and then also, like I said, reconcile what's going on in my head versus what is actually stimuli coming externally that I should be paying attention to.
2: See, and I love that because that could be – what we call paranormal is just natural. Like there's something – let's say there's a difference in the EMF in that room or the magnetic field – or something that just affects you physically that you c- can't even like pick up on, and you know that's the kind of like earlier, like when that guy was saying how our emotions um, play into how we perceive the paranormal or something to be par- you know, paranormal. Or I walked in this room and it felt heavy. Well, maybe it was actually some other natural force that was causing you to feel that. Um, and I think that's just as interesting as like ghosts and dead people. Well, <laughs> I think and it can also fascinating.
0: be. I think. I, I mean, yeah, magnetic fields, things like that, things that are more subtle. But I also think things that are less subtle. I I've talked to people that have had these experiences where they've walked into a room and they smelled something like uh, they smell something that reminds them of something from their childhood. Maybe, for example, that may have been traumatic So that sets a person off. That'll trigger a person sometimes, you know, and they may feel like they're having some kind of experience, but really what they're having is a, is a sensory experience that's just, you know, kind of hitting an area of the gray matter they have there that reminds them of something. Uh, And that's a negative thing for them to feel because it's just reminding of something they don't want to be reminded of. So I think there are a lot of explanations for this stuff that we can't explain.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And we were, it's funny, we were at a a ghost hunt. I won't say when or where, but um, there was this older woman who had, she had this camera. And at at the time, I hadn't seen anything like it before. I've seen stuff like it since. But it basically, um, Scott, you probably know more about this than I would, but it uses like the Xbox Kinect kind of sensor that that tracks movement. It it sends out like a field of dots, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So she had this like Frankenstein's monster looking camera um, and she was walking around and kind of uh, filming different things. And she brought it up to us afterward and was showing us um, some footage that she had from a room earlier. And I hadn't seen anything like that at the time. So I was like, oh, this is you know really cool. And I kind of looked a little bit at how it works. And I was like, I'm guessing it's, I'm guessing it's kind of like a sonar thing, essentially. Like if things are closer, you know, that's how it builds the image or something. I, I don't know. So I-, I was asking her, I was like, how does this like work? Like, what, like, you know, what is it picking up? And she's like, well, it picks up spirits.
2: Yeah, and I was,
1: yeah. I was like, well, okay. Yeah, I know. I, I get that. I see the little stick figure, you know, sitting there, but I was like, but like, what is it like measuring? Like, how does it, you know, is it some kind of weird wavelength or some light or like what's, what's going on? I was like, what is it measuring? And she goes, spirits. Yeah. And I was like, I okay, yeah, we're, we're done. We're done here. Yeah. That's, and yeah, mm. yeah. So it's like all that stuff that I know that there mm-hmm. are, Someone someone scientific could explain to me how that works, you know, and I often want those answers. But at the same time, um, sometimes, you know, if someone were just to just offer me the answer to, you know, the, to life, the universe and everything, you know, 42, whatever, like I, I don't know if I would want that answer, you know?
0: <laughs> well, I mean, because science, you know, that, that whole trip, I mean, I, I, I don't support it either. I'm with you on that. It's, I want to know how things work. I think. And I think when you study the paranormal, especially when it comes to studying ghosts and spirits and whatnot, it's a group of people who are trying to understand this on a mechanical level. And that's, you know, that's a huge sandwich to try to bite off of, I think. But that's what the mind is curious, humans are curious. That's what our, our nature is, is to try to understand how things work and how they work on the inside and outside and on a mechanical level too. How does a ghost appear? If we could figure out whatever way it is in nature or mathematically to make a spirit appear, I mean, that would be to truly understand what this thing is mathematically, I think. I mean, I do agree. I I, I believe also, like a lot of people, that mathematics are the language of the universe. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if someone says, well, I have this camera that, that does this, well, how does it work? I mean, y- y- if you engineered this, you have to know how it works, right? Uh, and a lot of people can. It's one of my gripes with the field. I, I we I think Amber and I agree that I like nothing better than to see people become interested in this field and and become active and go out there and do things. But if you, a lot of people. Will claim this term that we're a scientific based organization. You hear that a lot out there in the field. Like we you know, we deal with science, science, science. And I don't want to go too much off into the weeds here, but I mean to keep it brief, they don't know a whole lot about science. I don't I mean, I know I think I know some about science, but I'm not an expert in any way. And some of these people will make it out like, well, we are a science-based group and they don't have a lot of that real knowledge behind them and that's kind of scary because you're you're not you don't understand you, i don't think those people i think they just want to get a picture of something maybe right yeah they want to get some audio and that's great that's totally cool because that's what i prefer to do is just go out there well, when we go out and do stuff i prefer just go out there with a recorder or a camera or whatever and shoot some pictures right i'm not trying to build any type of devices that are out there or try to invent something that'll change the field or whatever i'm not trying to do that i just want to get something uh, but a lot of people claim this. Well, we're a science-based organization. It's like, no, you're not. You're a group of people that are interested in this thing, and that's cool, but it takes some people years to get a degree in some field of discipline that is science, right? Yeah. Um, so you can't really, I, It's and I, like, like I, we always say, I mean, it's the Wild West now. I mean, you can do whatever you want in this field. There are no barriers to entry in this field whatsoever. You can start up a group, Call yourself president, get a T-shirt, and there you are. You're the president of something now. Congratulations. That's not to beat up people, really, but it's a fact that people need to understand that there are no regulations with this field. I'm not saying there should be, to be honest with you, but it isn't the same as like medical practices and things like that, where you have a governing board over it that says, this is the way we're going to do things. And there's a reason for that, because we don't know what the hell we're doing with this stuff. We've already said that. We don't know what's going on. We don't understand it. So how can you have a body of people governing something they know absolutely nothing about?
1: Yeah, for sure. And I mean, for this to be scientific, you think it has to be repeatable. And that just, you know, ghosts don't work on command. People don't uh, understand as, that.
0: People don't as understand we've seen. that. I mean, there's a lot of people, and I'm not. I, I'm sorry, I'm not trying to be mean, but there's a lot of people that don't understand that idea that, you know, you ha- if you want to apply the scientific method, you know, it has to be repeatable. It has to be in a controlled environment. For example, there's a, that's not, that's not, that's just the tip of the iceberg with that. Um, And I always tell people like, oh, you're a scientific based group. So that means that you have a million and a half dollar grant from a college right now. And they've given you a lab to do work in because that's what, that's what you'd be doing if you were truly applying the scientific method.
1: Right. Well, yeah. If if anyone told me they were in a scientific group for like ghost research, if, if, the only way I would accept them is if they said we have proved nothing, absolutely yeah. nothing.
0: We have some interesting ideas, <laughs> yeah. That I'd you know that you know you can talk about, which is great, and those are the people I love to talk to. Uh, but yeah, I don't want to. We've seen it. I know you've seen it too. People like, well, here this is a this is proof, right here. This is a hundred percent proof. How the hell do you know? Can you prove it? Can you prove the proof?
1: <laughs> I mean, Ex- I exactly. The proof. And people get so they get so like offended when uh you know you come up with an ulterior explanation we're like okay you know you this is an orb it's were you in an old building was it dusty did you have your flash on yeah
0: like classic, they don't classic yeah
1: they they don't want to hear that and there was actually a speaker at the conference last year that i i really love this talk this guy gave because he said you know um you know, like what is EMF or something? I can't remember exactly what he's talking about, but something like that. And he's like, you know, why do we measure this? And like, what does it measure? People are like ghosts, and he's like, why? And because like, it because it measures ghosts. He's like, we've just all agreed that it measures ghosts. You know, we don't really know for sure yeah. if this is measuring anything. And I was like, oh, you know, I hadn't really thought about it like that. Um, what is that- a
0: ghost? Why that's the thing. What is a ghost then? Because it should be a. Con- we should be going further and further down the rabbit hole till we finally hit Pater. In my opinion, right? Yeah, that's that's yeah, that's what the idea of this thing is, and it could take another two or three hundred years before anybody comes up with anything that may have some water. I don't think anywhere in this field or on this planet right now is there anybody who truly holds any keys. For any forward motion of this thing that i get to some answers of why people see these things Uh, and maybe i'm wrong i i don't know everything that happens in this field but i haven't seen anything yet that i'm like okay i have i've heard some really compelling ideas that's it
1: right and that well that's why i enjoy you scott and amber because i know that if you're presented with new information you will update your opinions and not just you know stick stick to your guns and um and i like that and i'm curious uh, I've talked about this with a few different people, but why do you think it is that we, you know, maybe it's a smaller community, but we're so obsessed with this idea of of death and the afterlife and and ghosts and trying to figure out what's going on? Do you think it's we're obsessed with our own mortality, or you think there's something else going on there? Do you have any thoughts on that?
2: I, I think that's the ultimate question: is what happens to us when we die? That's what every religion is, you know, pretty much centered around is an afterlife and trying to get there and I I think it's just one of those things uh looking for ghosts is like I don't know for me I'm not religious so it's it's almost like a religion in a weird way the paranormal if if that makes sense it's like my quest to keep looking at up things that are so mysterious out there that I'm almost jealous of people that are religious because they just it's almost simple like yep I die I'm a good person. I go to heaven. It's cool. I see my grandpa again. I see these people, and I'm like, oh no, mm, I can't buy into that. Like, it's not that simple. I wish I could like believe that, but I can't. And uh, so it's just uh, the, it's just that constant quest of trying to figure out what's beyond our our current consciousness and and our our current level. And, and just yeah, that's that's my belief on why people uh, continue to search for this stuff and, and try to reason with it or come to terms with it.
0: I think people want to control everything. We as humans want control over everything. Um for better or for worse, most times for worse, just look at the planet. And I'm not going to go on some kick on that, but I mean we you, you know you look around, I mean I look at a forest and I see something that's completely out of control, right? It's a beautiful it's a beautiful chaos if you go to a forest and look in the woods, you just see all this randomness. But it all is a system that works together, right? And it's undisturbed. The planet just deals with itself. It don't need any help. It don't need to be sculpted and changed by people. But however, we as humans, we've decided to do that. So we've carved, you know, we've carved this planet out to our liking. That's one example which leads to me with the idea of the afterlife, the afterlife and death is something that we as people can't control. It's the one thing we can't control. We can't control when we die. We can't control how we die. And we don't know a damn thing about what happens after we die, right? After all these years of all this research, we still don't know a damn thing about what's hap- what happens to us after we die. So I think it's simply we're just a bunch of control freaks, and it's one thing that we can't control, right? Now, I'm not saying that the study of this is a bad thing as a result of that, but I think that's why this question is something that people can discuss and debate over nonstop, is it's something that we just can't quantify and control and make into a nice little package for people to understand. It's not that easy. Now, I guess, like Amber said, I, th- I think things like religion, and I'm not saying this in any negative context. I don't, I don't want... I got no problem with people who, you know, want to believe whatever they want to believe. But I do think that's one of the things with organized religion that it does take these very complex ideas that we're talking about that we don't understand, that we can't control. And they do make them into this nice, simple little package and say, well, all you got to do is follow these simple steps right here and you're guaranteed this. It's great, you know, and there's a lot of different flavors of that. Some of them are better than others, I think. Some of them are worse than others. But it's simply that, I think, is that we as people can't control this idea of, of death and the natural order of things in nature that things live and things die.
1: Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I, I want to be respectful of your time, by the way, so let me know if, if you need to um, you know, get out of here sometime soon. I don't, um, don't have any lives. Don't worry. <laughs> Just, her, her, okay, as long as we're all on the same page, yeah, like, that's fine. how I feel. I so, as long as you so, man. I'm curious, do you do either of you have any thoughts um and or hopes on what does happen to you after you die?
0: Oh, that's a good that's a really good question. Go ahead, amber, it's all you.
2: Oh, why you keep making me go first? Um, it's like when we go to
0: dinner together. I, would, I always have you order first.
2: I would <laughs> like to think that you know, my consciousness would continue on or continue to evolve in some way. Um, I. It'd be awesome to think that you could see people uh, that you, uh, may, you know, family members that have died. But you know, I I I think like, well, if this is all a big process, you know, they're gonna have they would they would have moved on too. And if you go with like this, that when we die, we kind of start moving up this hierarchy of consciousness, if that even is a thing that exists then, you know, maybe it's not such a big deal. We Our attachments are gone, you know, like the Buddhists would say, like, you know, don't get mm-hmm. to be attached to anything. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I mean, sure, the idea of a heaven with, like, just sitting around eating cool snacks and having fun, sure, that's neat too, but it sounds really boring also. So um, I just I just think the idea of your consciousness living on in some fashion, I, I'm kind of rooting for that one. <laughs> yeah. You know?
0: I think we as people also, when a loved one dies, someone close to us passes away, we want to think that they're okay. Because it goes back to this control thing, I think, Cody, where, you know, our family, for example, I don't think there's too many people that aren't very protective of their family and want the best for their family members, right? Yeah. So when your family member passes away, that you have no control of that situation. You have no bearing on that whatsoever. So it's, it's, it's poetic and nice to think that this person's in a better place. Now we always hear that like, well, they're in a better place. Now you can rest easy with that. And it gives you the person that's left here with all that pain. It gives you a sense of peace. Right. And I've been through it and I, I've, I've, I've been through all the emotions the same way. Like most people have, uh, I, I'm not one to to, to I, I don't know man it, it's a tough it's a tough idea for me because you know i I like to think that my mind is is evolving and constantly evolving I hope uh, so my my viewpoints can change I know they've changed over all the decades I've been alive now and you know I, I said this on a show not too long ago I feel like I'm at a point in my life now where i'm I'm at Another one of those forks in the road where my mind starts to change a little bit. So, you know, if you would have asked me like 10 years ago, I'd be like, dude, we're nothing but, a pe- we're nothing but mud and saliva. Uh, as soon as, you know, as soon as we die, we just go back into the ground and we just go back to, you know, just burn me, dump my ashes in the ground so I can go back to the earth. And it's just as simple as that. When, when the lights go out, you just don't experience anything anymore. Right. You don't like it's like going to sleep, but you never wake up. And that's what a lot of people say. And, and I try to, that's a really tough idea to get your head around, I think. Like, what happens when it's over? Like, your, light, your porch light goes out for the last time. I mean, what happens to you? Uh, and I think my mind's changing. I mean, my, my viewpoint's changing on that a little bit. I, and, I, you know, maybe along the lines with what Amber says, I, I think there is something about us. There's an essence about us as people that does live on.
2: Well, like if we're this concept that we're connected to a cloud, you know, everyone's talking about cloud. Well, well, that's and technology. And our consciousness in the cloud, though. But, yeah, and it's a an to idea relate that, it to you know,
0: technology. The, the, you, know, the, you know, yeah, the great database in the sky. Yeah. I, where, uh, yeah, we are all connected to this 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 massive mainframe. It's, it's a you know, it's a it's a force of nature like anything else is, and maybe we go back to that. Maybe there is a place we go to. I it's it's really tough to put your finger on that, you know. And I, but I like to think nowadays, just from stuff that I've experienced in the last couple of years, that maybe there may be somewhere you go. Maybe it isn't this religious thing where you have to report to the boss or something like that. Maybe it's a scholarly type thing. Maybe maybe this whole idea of, of life and experience and the idea of existing is something that it's it's a constantly evolving thing that you need to be learning from. And maybe you don't always just go up and up the ladder. Maybe you get stuck somewhere and you have to spend more time with that. I mean, there's so many ways to look at that. But, you know, I think there has to be something to this idea of existing and experiencing things and having consciousness and being in the moment. You follow what I'm saying? It, yeah. It's really, it's it, as we've said here the last hour we've been talking about this, it isn't simple. I don't think it's simple. I think there's a lot to it. Uh, much like any problems we've ever had to solve as people in history, electricity, harnessing electricity, the reason that we're doing what we're doing right now. I mean, if there was no electricity, we wouldn't be able to do what we're doing. But at one time, electricity was a huge problem. And we could go into the whole Tesla thing too, which pisses us off still in this. (laughs) But I mean, it still is a, it was a huge problem at one time, but it it was learned, people learned how to harness that power and understand it and use it right. So I think there's a lot of things that, even just a few decades ago, or maybe a hundred years ago, that we didn't understand, and now it's just commonplace for us. So maybe someday, understanding what what consciousness yeah. is and existence is, we might we might have that. We might understand that too someday. I don't know.
1: Yeah, you know, I like to think that uh, you know, as as I'm getting older, i have been thinking about this a lot more, and you know, I was raised super Catholic, and then. Uh, you know, now I'm into all this ghost stuff and everything. and, And so my opinions, again, are always kind of changing based on new evidence and new lines of thinking. And so I like to think that there is something bigger than me, I'd rather call it, you know, the universe or something rather than, you know, a god or something like that. But it seems like it would be a huge waste just to, you know, lights out after this. And that would, I wouldn't know it, I guess, if that's the case. But it seems like that would just kind of suck. And I like to think that there's Definitely something more, but it's a question I wrestle with all the time and, and, and think about constantly. But I do want to say something I do know, and I just want this on the record more, is that at my funeral, I would love if everybody got drunk and just told the worst stories about me that they have, yeah. um, and I want everybody to get a little bag of tortilla chips when they walk in, and then in the casket, I want to be holding the guacamole. <laughs> oh, God. And, <laughs> and, and make and depending on how the terrifying. mood is, 20, twenty-four hours of weekend at Bernie's, if if people <laughs> feel like it. So I just want that out there more. Um, so like I, a yeah, splendid what,
0: party, actually.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. I just want people to have fun, um, a bunch of pizza and stuff. But okay, I want to move on to uh, not not as heavy of a topic. It seems like there has been a new member um, in in the um, to Talk uh, family lately. Can you tell me about Jenny?
0: Oh, Oh, the cat! Yes, we want to be respectful of your time now. Yeah, we can go (laughs) all night on that.
1: I have absolutely no life. We are all on the same page.
0: (laughs) Jenny was. um, Amber texted me one day when I was at work and said, "So, well, you explain who this lady was."
2: Well, first off, I might add that Scott was always of the type that was like, "Never, we will never have a cat because I'm allergic."
0: And we won't and have pets. I never pets had a cat. Well, you because, know, and I just, I just and, buried my last well, pet. all yeah. you know, my snake. Well, and, and he
2: th- was like under the. We won't have pets because they just all die. Mm. So anyway, I I work at a library, and one of our oldest friends' members that helped get this uh, our friends group started and the library started back in the '60s uh, died at 101, and wow. there was no one to take her cat, and I felt horrible because this was an older cat. She's they they she was a rescue. Um, Virginia who, who passed away so the, their vet figured she could have been anywhere between 9 and 12 uh, but they figured more of the upper like maybe 12 so mm-hmm. when <laughs> cats like that go to a shelter they don't tend to get adopted as fast because they're old and people aren't as quick to take them because they're old and they might come with health problems or you won't have them as long and like whatever but I looked at her and I was like
0: <gasps> she's so
2: cute and so I sent it to Scott because I knew he'd be a sucker and he was
0: like fine it wasn't (laughs) quite that fucking easy but Uh, no i checked the cat out and she explained to me the situation amber said look you know this lady the centenarian uh virginia she's like well she doesn't have a human now this cat doesn't have a human now and she did explain the same thing to me she's like you know when they take these cats to these shelters she's older she could die in that shelter she may not make it and i'm like oh jesus christ almighty she got me so I'm like, All right, let's 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 give it a shot. We actually went and visited the cat the night before she, she was brought to us. Ran and, hid. and she ran and hid. She like didn't want anything no. to do with us. I'm like, are I, you people? See, When we were driving there, I'm thinking in my I had this like glorious vision in my mind that we're going to walk in the house and then you're going to hear angels harps behind no, so us. So
2: happy! <laughs> the cat was
0: just going to jump in our laps and just start licking us and you know and just loving us and the cat fucking hated us. The cat hated our guts. She
2: didn't hate us. She was just spooked out. She was freaked
0: out. She, she just didn't want to deal with us. She didn't know who we were. Um, so yeah, I did have this thing. I thought that I had uh, an allergy problem he with doesn't. cats and I don't. I really don't. I'm really happy I don't. So they brought her over the next day uh, Virginia's caretakers, who were taking care of uh, Virginia before she passed away, they brought Jenny over, and they they flat out said they're like, "Look, let's give it a month. Let's give it a month." She
2: came with like a return.
0: Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah like, because I was like, I don't know yeah, about if, this if, thing. If, if, yeah, the receipt. Yeah. yeah. If
2: Scott was indeed allergic, or if she really just if it didn't work out or something, um, you know, Ronnie was like, "Hey, I'll we'll take her back. We'll try to find her another home. We'll we'll do what we can." So I think with that guarantee that, I think that made you feel better.
0: Yeah, I I didn't, because I didn't want her, even at that point, I'm like, I want the best for this animal. She's, she's, was, I just felt bad for her situation.
2: fast forward. um, Yeah. She, it only took her a few days to get used to us. And that night I had pretty much got her coaxed her with snacks and pets out of the basement. Um, Scott was gone that night. And then I, we just watched movies. We became fast friends. And then like two days later, I think she finally accepted Scott. (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah, sort of. She's much more comfortable now, and we're really happy. And she's a lot of fun. She just kind of walks around and checks us out and keeps an eye on the house for us now. And she's got her beds all over the house, and her and she's just kind of got a Hilton here she lives in. I think in. she's
2: lost some weight because she was really fat. Everyone called her a pillow with legs. Yeah, she was fat.
0: No. And, I, and yeah. she has a
2: limp. So it, I think they, the vet said it was probably arthritis or something. But um, I don't think she was too active with a 101-year-old woman. So right. <laughs> they think they just fed her,
0: <laughs> and she goes up and down the stairs here a yeah, lot, so she gets more exercise. Workout. And yeah, I don't think we feed her; just keep throwing food down her down her top hatch all the time.
2: But you say nicer things to the to the cat than to me now. Like Scott will walk into the house and be like, "Hey, little, I love you," and I'm like, "Hey, I love you too." And he's like <laughs> I'm talking to the cat.
0: Yeah. Well, not you. No. So Jenny really has moving on. Jenny. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Jenny really has she's acclimated here and she she's like our little studio cat now she's super cool and uh yeah she's great I mean all the wonderful things that I never thought I'd experience having an animal because as I mentioned before I I had a my pet snake my 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 ball python astrid I had her for 24 years and she just we she just finally got to the point where I had to she had to be put down uh in December so that was my thing with that was I'm like okay we don't have any more pets now because I fought with that for like a year. I was trying to keep her, get her healthy for a year, and she was very old. Uh, and I thought, okay, well, now it's done. I, I, I'm not going to be a pet owner ever again, right? And it's so funny because Doug, uh, from you know, our, our, our secret member, our shadow member still of Ghostly Talk, Doug, him and I had this conversation. One of the reasons Doug can't do Ghostly Talk anymore is simply it's because of animals. He has five dogs now. And he just can't really get out of the house to do much. Yeah, Me and him talk all the time. He just can't get on the show very often. Uh, but him and I had this kind of, you know, after Astrid uh, passed away, uh, him and I talked about it, of course, because he's, he's one of my life coaches. And he's like, I go, I'm done, though. I'm done now. I go, I did the best I could with Astrid. I think I gave her a good life, but I'm done. I'm not doing this with, I'm not doing the pet thing anymore. I have other stuff I want to do with my life and he's like you know i understand your viewpoint on this thing however you know i really think you should consider taking care of an animal again taking care of an animal and doing something with something he's like think it over though i don't want you to just totally shut yourself out of that he's like cuz it enriches your life and and it makes things pretty awesome for you you know and the one thing i've i've come to really embrace this 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 philosophy is that like jenny our 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 kitty uh she doesn't belong to us, much like we don't belong to her, right? It's our job to take care of her. That's that's the commitment that Amber and I have made, to take care of, of Jenny for as long as we we have to take care of her. And I'm going to do whatever I can to make sure she has the best life she has now. Uh, that's something I can't picture when you... It's, it's funny because I can't picture her not here now, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that's, you know when you fall in love with something, that's what happens. You can't, a friend of mine told me that he had a baby years ago and he told me that he he literally had the baby for like two days and we were talking and he's like, he's like, it's funny. I've only been a dad for two days, but I can't remember my life before that. I can't remember huh. my life prior to me having a ch- having, you know, having my child. And I can't, I feel the same way now about our kitty cat. I can't picture my life or our lives here without, you know, Jenny walking around the house, checking us out, wanting to be pet every 15 seconds. <laughs> so, you know, it's, it's definitely an adjustment, but I'm really happy we did it. I, I told Amber that like the first couple of days, I'm like, I'm really happy she's here. I really feel good about this now. And you know, it's, it's great. I never thought I'd ever have a cat. You know, and I know for most people, this isn't really a big deal. Like people are probably listening. You're probably listening to this right now, whoever you are. And you're like, what the fuck is this dude freaking out about this for so bad? It's just a stupid cat. It's it's like, no, this is a big thing for me. I never thought I'd do this with my life. I thought I just kind of, we wouldn't have any more pets, but we do. And it does change things. It makes things different for you. And I think it does, it's helped with my mental stuff. You know, it's helped me with that stuff too. So yeah, that's our (laughs) cat.
1: Awesome. No, I think you're totally right. And anybody that has an animal will agree that it is a big deal. So Anybody that's going to be a hater, they just they they don't know what they're missing. So we can <laughs> we can disregard that. Um, a couple, just a couple more things for sure. you. Are there any uh, horror movies that you've seen lately that you would recommend or not recommend? That's just as important. Go ahead,
2: Amber. I liked Us, and I also liked the first movie he did, uh, Get Out. Um, I I liked those two. I didn't watch Get Out for the longest What's the guy's time. Name? Um, Jordan Peele Jordan Peele I I didn't watch that for the longest time and I remember watching the Oscars and being a little bewildered that uh, horror movie had just (laughs) won uh, like best like I I don't know if it was best picture that year or best original screenplay but I think it was best original screenplay and it was like the first time it had really happened in the Oscars and, and especially Jordan Peele coming from a comedian background right like whoa whoa where did this come from and, well, they say
1: you know, comedy and horror yeah. kind of the two sides of the same coin, right? sort of thing.
2: And and then I thought US was really cool. I, I thought it was just as neat. Now I haven't seen any of his Twilight Zone because I, it's on that stupid, like you, another dumb thing you got to pay for.
1: Yeah, it's yeah like, that CBS yeah. All Access. Yeah. Like I don't
2: want to pay for that. Just throw it on stupid TV. Like this, I this kind of stuff's going to cave in at some point. But that's I, I honestly, I for liking scary things, I don't watch a lot of horror movie Scott probably watches more you no know, I
0: don't watch that much that I it's one thing I've i have i have been I've been having a real issue with horror for the last handful of years um it, it's disturbing to me in some aspects it depends on what kind I kind of
2: like the fantasy fantasy well, fantasy fantasy based
0: no and I'm not saying I don't like horror. horror horror is fantastic but I, I there's not a lot of horror that I've gotten into in the last couple of years however there's been there's been a couple that have really stuck with me over the last year and a half, let's say. Uh, number oh. one is Hereditary. Yeah, I was just gonna say. yeah, that movie. If and that's one of those ones right there. Like, you know, my thing with people with art, whatever it's music, movies, books, whatever it might be, it's in the eye of the beholder. You know, if you don't like it, that's cool. That's how I feel about things. If it's not your thing, hey, that's all good. But that's that movie right there. I've heard people say that movie's a piece of shit. I'm like, you're out of your mind. You're out of your mind if you can't like that movie. And that's rare that I get that emotional or emotionally invested into something. But I have watched that movie no less than 20 or 30 times. And there's just, it's, it's, to me, what a great movie is, is just that you can watch something over and over and over again, and you'll find something new every time. It's that dense to me, that, you know, hereditary. Ari Oster, the director. He, he knocked it out of the ballpark. He just knocked it out of the ballpark, I think, with that movie. It, it's something, every time I watch it, I pick something new up, I think. Um, that and uh, Annihilation, which is still, that's a little older now. It's, well, it's mm. 2018. That movie is stuck in my head. I can't get that away. And it doesn't. Be, did you see Annihilation, Cody?
1: I did. I think I commented on your post because I read the book, uh, or I read Annihilation, and then Saw the movie in anticipation, and now I have the second book. But we we were kind of chatting about it on Facebook. I think you had a post. Um, okay. But yeah, please, yeah, please
0: go ahead. Well, no, I saw. I'm one of those ones. I I saw the movie. We saw it in the theater, and it, you know, to me, it was like the same type of mood laid out as Hereditary. It literally felt other. It It really made me feel like I was somewhere else. Mm. Both those movies just made me feel like I was somewhere else. I was pulled into it. Uh, Annihilation, while it's a you know it's a different plot and whatnot from a Hereditary, that movie just took me somewhere that I'd never been before. I didn't quite understand it, and I became obsessed with that movie. Uh, and I watched it over and over again. That's you can ask Amber. that's just what I do with a movie that I really like a lot. I'll just watch it over and over and over again because I just want to immerse myself in it and wallow in it and really understand what the hell's going on or try to at least, right? And I did it like you. I went and got the entire Southern Reach trilogy. What was it Annihilation? Ah, I forgot the name of those movies. Uh, authority, maybe or, Annihilation, uh, Authority, and oh my god, Acceptance. That's the last yeah. one. Um, and I got. I've been through all of it. You're gonna love it.
1: Get, get, I've only read the first one.
0: Annihilation's fantastic. Uh, acceptance. I'm sorry. Authority is amazing. And I mean, they're all really good. Get through the whole story. Some people, I've had a handful of people that oh, well, Annihilation is the best one, and the other stuff gets boring. It's like, no, no. You want to get into that universe, and it just enriches the whole experience of that movie. Alex Garland, another you know, the director of that movie, just totally knocked it out of the ballpark with that. He made he did X McKin X Makina before he did um Annihilation, which is another yeah. amazing sci-fi movie. Uh but Annihilation to me as far as like stuff that really has stuck with me over the last year and a half, two years maybe, those two movies, I can watch them. I mean, I said it today. We were grocery shopping earlier, and I, said, I remember I said it to you. I'm like, I'm going to go home and watch Annihilation later, I think. And then she, you were like, you're going to watch it again? <laughs> Amber said that. I'm like, I just like the movie that much. I can just watch it over and over again. It has – that movie just has some things I've never seen and heard before. Uh, not just the bear – That's what everybody's
1: right, right.
0: That's what screwed everybody's minds up. Which don't get me wrong, that was very disturbing. Uh, but to me, just the way the movie felt, the soundtrack for it, the soundscapes they used under it, it's so unique and different that you know, I even listen to the soundtrack here and there, I like the soundtrack a lot. So, you know, when you can really immerse yourself in the whole universe of a movie like that, you know, you got something great. Those two movies to me are. Are fantastic
1: well i'll start i'll no, start sorry. with the nihil-
0: i'm sorry you I, 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 well, I, I you know i should point out i mean yeah those those more or less are both they're they're see the problem with movies i think i'm sorry i didn't mean to cut you off but, no you're uh, good i think the problem with movies is they cross so many different borders now you don't really get like this is a straight horror movie you know what i mean this is just horror you get some like like the void for example it's another i mean that was a 2018 movie too another one worth mentioning of you know more of a more of a throwback type of practical effects uh, effect love craftian looking practical yeah. effect horror movie the void is fantastic too uh, you know but and that to me that's more of a straight horror movie uh, you know it, i mean it maybe has a couple of little hints of sci-fi because you have to where the hell did this thing come from I and mean, you have to figure that out but uh, you know annihilation really does ride a lot of different lines where it's a drama it's a sci-fi movie, and it's a horror movie, right? Where hereditary is a drama, I think, and it's a horror movie. So you know when you say horror now, it's like, well, to me, anything worth its salt is gonna have a lot of different elements thrown into it just besides horror to make it very interesting to me,
1: yeah, no, that makes sense. Uh, I think you're I think you're totally right. It's like you say horror and it's like, wait, would you is there a subgenre you're talking about yeah. here, or you know, yeah. um, I think with annihilation, I like the movie Annihilation, but I loved the book so much that I was kind of upset with the movie because I was like, they could have done so many more things and, and they didn't. And so that kind of, you know, and, and I, I don't want to be one of those assholes. Say, oh, the book was way better, blah, blah, blah. But like they had so much material that they could have pulled from. And the fact that they didn't just kind of yeah. upset me because I love the book so much. The book was just like a weird fever dream of stuff. And, yeah. and I, oh, I, I loved it so much, but I'd still recommend seeing the movie. And then Hereditary – I have only watched Hereditary one time and it was my favorite horror movie of 2018 and I still recommend it to everyone. I'm sure I would it's see terrifying. new things. It's terrifying. Yeah, I would see new stuff if I went back and rewatched it and I will. It just, I, I went to see it by myself on like a Saturday morning and uh, I had a movie, pa- movie pass at the time. And so yeah. I was just going to the movies all the time and um, it was storming outside. And so I could, could hear the thunder sometimes like from outside the theater and I'm watching Hereditary Ooh. Um, by myself and it you know it was a slow burn for sure but Total like slow burn yeah it, it gets to this one point I don't know halfway 30 minutes in the movie or something and my jaw just dropped and it never came back up and it just blew my mind like how fucking crazy this movie is and it was so good yeah and I I, I just I loved it so much so I definitely recommend that too
0: yeah going back to Annihilation um you're what you what you said is totally true but one of the things cuz i mean i've not only when i when i become obsessed with a movie do i like watch the movie over and over again or read the book or whatever it might be i'm always buying the super deluxe only five in print dvd 400 disc edition of of a movie right. too so i buy those things cuz i want to learn more about how the hell this movie was made right so and a lot of those box sets you get they you get a lot of production notes and things like that one thing to take in, into account alex garland when he when he when he worked on the screenplay for this movie he basically he read annihilation that 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 the book in that series right the first mm-hmm. book in the series in the southern reach trilogy and he more or less his approach to writing the script was he read the book and he sat down and more or less from memory some of the key points from memory that's how he wrote the script he kind of laid out like like what he said, actually, his, his, his expression of it was the script I wrote for Annihilation was the dream I had about Annihilation, the book, mm. right? So yeah, that explains why there's a lot of things. Yeah. I'm like, man, you know, for example, not, I don't want to throw any spoilers down, but the whole, the, the whole subterranean complex with, with the, text the tower, stuff, like the tower, exactly the tower, yes. um, Like that whole thing just that that was like just freaking me out the whole way through, Uh, and we really don't we you get it you get and I there's a a nod to that when you get to the lighthouse right Uh, right where you do they where she did crawl underground but not quite to the description of what the book what the book was like right so right. um, Alex Garland did explain that and say, you know, when I read Jeff Vandermeer's Annihilation, he's like, it was more or less the dream if I had of the book after I read it. And so you do get some of the key points, but it's vastly different, though. It really is. But it was that good to me, though, that it made me interested to, to read the books also. And yeah, they're different. And yeah, I mean, you're always going to have a lot more colors and and descriptions and things like that with the written text. you just you just you simply can't do it with film unfortunately
1: right and i like i said i have authority and i need to just read it um it's just it's just just the list just keeps building there's so much content out there nowadays that it's just hard to keep up mm-hmm. with everything oh i agree um okay last question i have uh where can people find your podcast? Or what do you have going on what do you want to plug
0: oh um well i mean our our show is uh, ghostly talk and be found at ghostlytalk.com. dot com uh now we're at home and amber knows more about the whole well if you, social if, media you thing. if
2: you use um a podcast app like uh podbean uh
0: stitcher iTunes,
2: iTunes uh Google play we're on those um i I think we do show up on a like a bunch of other because I when I look at my well, stats, it's this mysterious third-party apps. Yeah, right. well, and the, so
0: yeah, and I, I want to look at that too.
2: Well, uh, whatever, and uh, and or you can just straight up like stream it from the website. Yeah, we or have, download it if you don't want to deal with an app and yeah. don't want to use data.
0: Our um, yeah, we have all this stuff up available on our site at ghostlytalk.com, dot com, along with all the archives from the first run of the show. Yeah, um, which is all free two
2: thousand two to two thousand nine. Yeah,
0: everything's free. All the new stuff and all the old stuff is there for free. Um, You've
1: been doing this for so long. Yeah, it feels like it.
0: <laughs> yeah. We had a break there for a while, so I don't know if that counts or not. But um, yeah, we've been we've been at it for a while, and yeah, but I, I stress that you can go to our site. I, and, you know, all the podcast apps that we mentioned, those are all free, too. I mean, as far as getting our, yeah, yeah none it's of all that free. costs money that don't cost money. But you can come to our site if you want it directly from the tap and get it for free also right from us. So, yeah, it's it's all free. We can't say that enough. There's no strings attached. Just listen to the show if you want.
1: Awesome. Well, thanks for taking the time to reconnect. And I'm really excited to uh, hang out with you all again at the Haunted America conference.
0: Thanks, Cody. Yeah, it's been a while, Cody. I know we've, like I said, we've kept in contact on the Facebook stuff here and there. Uh, but it'll be good to actually sit down and and hang out again and have some conversations like we did last time, and we'll have a little. Absolutely, we'll, we'll have a little coffee with sugar. If you remember that, yeah
1: uh, you made the uh, the snake bites, right? Yeah. Is that, <laughs> was that what it was?
0: Look, a little sugar in the coffee. We'll have some of that.
1: <laughs> Ghostly tones. Version three